On this episode of the Valkyrie Project podcast, we're going to do something a little bit different. In general, we've had a really great time hosting experts in the field and folks that can tell us some really technical information about how to become better tactical athletes and better overall in terms of performance. However, this time, I thought it would be fun to sit down with a friend of mine that I've known for the last couple of years through the gym and just talk about general topics that we all face as women who are in service and have to juggle different aspects of life in addition to that job, whether that be having kids, having a marriage, combining that with working out and other obligations that we have. So this is going to be the first of a series of what would be a mini-series, if you will, within the podcast called The Cis Seshes. That's right, not a bro sesh, but a cis sesh. We'll talk about those particular topics and a couple other interesting things in between. I think you guys are really going to enjoy the chat Ashley and I had. So, without further ado, welcome back to the Valkyrie Project podcast. I'm your host, Meg, and this is the Valkyrie Project. So to continue on with our conversation about bodybuilding and the many reasons that you and I can never do it. Yes. I went to support a friend at a competition Mm -hmm. and there was a dude in the uh, bodybuilding category, like not the, it was, I guess, one of the more difficult categories. It's not like the bikini or Mm -hmm. sport or whatever they call it. It's like the no shit. I'm here to win because my muscles are bigger than everyone else's. Yeah. And the guy, he was in really, really good shape clearly, but. He, he didn't have the, the tan that they all get. Uh-huh. Like, everyone gets the body spray tan, even if they're naturally, like, dark, I guess. Yeah. Um, but he didn't have it. And he was, like, glowing, shimmering in the lights of the stage white. And I'm like, I wonder if this guy just put, like, the last eight months of his life on hold to get yeah. ready for this competition and then, like, slept in and missed the tanning appointment or something. Yeah, like, because doesn't it make your muscles pop out more and it makes you look a little more defined, which is why every skin color, no matter what, they end up doing it. Yeah. So it's yeah. really interesting that he, like, nicks that. <laughs> yeah. I wonder what traumatic thing happened to make him miss his spray tan And then he probably didn't pop out as much as everyone else. And they were like, no, you automatically fail. It's like, you didn't even try to he get a tan. What's wrong with you? That's like rule number one. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, man, the bodybuilding stuff. Like, I think the hardest thing for me would be having discipline to mm-hmm. keep my nutrition that on point. Like, yep. For the most part, I can keep it 80, 90% on point, but you condemn me to chicken breasts and broccoli for the last couple months. Mm-hmm. Like, and oh I call God. myself an 80-20 person, but I've noticed from my friends that have either been in the bodybuilding community or currently in it, um, they are super dedicated to it. And it's, you know, water, you know, they cu- they start cutting down on water when it comes time to actually be on a show. They start food, even gets less food. And then when it's show day, I know some people do some form of alcohol, whether it's wine or something like that, to make the veins come out or sugar. Like it's, I'm just like, I can't, I cannot do that. I can't do that. Yeah. Yep. My stomach wouldn't sustain that. <laughs> I think I would have like a sugar heart attack if I went that yeah. long without any carbs. And like, so my, the same competition, I guess, supporting the one friend, we stayed the night in her hotel room the night before to like be there with her to get ready mm-hmm. and stuff. And she was cramping up so bad. This girl's like, 
<laughs> carrying a jug of water around the hotel room, drinking it nonstop mm-hmm. and still cramping up really bad. And then the next day, like her trainer gave her a pup dart. Like, Here, here's for your veins. Exactly. It's crazy. Yeah. I had, um, one of my NCOs, he was really into it and he was really good. He had, he won all types of medals and things like that. I'm not even sure the ranking structure in the, in the bodybuilding world, but I do know that he was dedicated to it. And I just remember on like the week before a competition, like he was on really low, low carbs and just low food in general. Like his entire caloric intake was well below normal. And um, he's just really irritable and things like that. And I was just like, man, I, I can't. He's like, you should give it a try. I was like, I, I don't think I have the discipline. I, exactly. I don't have the discipline for it. Yeah. And um, I don't know. I just, I, I feel like for me, self, especially self-esteem wise, I just think that is a world I should stay away from. Because it's a lot of looking at yourself for aesthetics, you know, purposes in order to compete. And I just, that's not something I want to dabble in i think for my mental health it's just no <laughs> that's a really f- like it's funny you bring that up because man like i have a couple questions based on that actually and i could see why he would say oh you should do it because mm-hmm. like you're one of those people that naturally puts on some muscle yeah. and like you naturally have a good fit looking figure mm-hmm. um i feel like you're one of those folks that doesn't have to try as hard as everyone else to like you know make the muscle like definition yeah. or whatever um but, you know, all that stuff aside, yeah, the self-esteem piece is such a big deal. Like, I've always joked that, like, I had tiny boobs. And mm-hmm. I don't, like, you know, maybe I should just do it. Maybe I should just get a boob job. But then, like, the other more, like, analytical side of me is like, well, then you're giving in. You're becoming a victim of your own, <laughs> your own like, self-esteem issues. You can't, you can't give in. You have to accept that yeah. you're always going to have small boobs. But it's always <laughs> going to be it. something. Yeah, when I was exactly. in high school, I, you know, right around the puberty time, I had huge boobs, huge boobs. And, um, and I wasn't as, you know, cut or fit as I am now because I was just, you know, a high school girl, probably about 14, 15, right when mm-hmm. my body started changing. And um, I had huge, bare boobs and everyone else. I wore a 36D. Damn, <laughs> Exactly. Girl. So it was, it, you know... Even that, you would think that that's a great thing, but I was like, man, I'm really self-conscious about it. It was hard to run around and do anything because they're always moving, always in my... It's just like you never went. Like, and now, you know, I've had a kid. You know, I've gone up and down the way. It took about four years to put this much muscle mass, heavier muscle mass on my body. And um, even now, you're just like, man, do, do I need boobs? Nope, I already... I had boobs before, and that's... I don't want to even go back to that. That was really difficult. Yeah. <laughs> it's a grass is always greener scenario, I feel like, because my best friend in middle school was the epitome of an early bloomer Mm -hmm. and she had, you know, the big, huge chest and she was occasionally like uncomfortable about it. But she, I mean, she got a lot of attention from the boys and she really wasn't that boy crazy. Mm -hmm. And I looked like a 12 year old boy until I was about 21. Like (laughs) to say late bloomer is an understatement, but I had like hearts in my eyes for all the little boys. And they're like, you don't even look like a girl. But like, you can't, I mean, you know, there's no perfect scenario. There's no perfect, and even as an adult, even now. Well, obviously, I feel way more confident, you know, in my early 30s, heading into my, you know, my 30s in my life. I feel way more confident now than I did, you know, in my mid-20s, yeah. early 20s. It's just, it's a different mindset, I think. Yeah. And um, even now when I talk to women, because people will approach me all the time about my body, almost everywhere I go, no matter where I'm at. 
and they'll ask me questions, you know, how long does it take to do this? Or how'd you get your legs defined? And I'm just like, look, yeah, I don't go for aesthetics. I work out and whatever happens, happens. Pick up heavy shit <laughs> repeatedly. Put it down. <laughs> and um, I try not to get into even that mindset at all of how I look because if I, you can always find something negative and I just don't want to be in that headspace. Mm-hmm. And I like being, I like knowing what my body can do. And especially being a mom, I think I've, I fall on that a lot because I'm like, I don't want him to see me worrying about so much of, of am I'm pretty enough, if, if I'm feminine looking enough. I want him to see that I'm strong and I can do stuff and, you know, I'm someone that he looks up to. And he, my son, says a lot of times, he's like, you know, I really like strong mommies. I like that you're strong. And, and I love it. I love it. It touches my heart every time he tells me that. It's the biggest compliment I can get. That's such a big deal. Gosh. Yeah. Ugh role models and whatnot. It's so funny, like looking back on just sort of the evolution of like self-esteem in my life. Mm-hmm. And even like now when I have Netflix binge compulsions, mm-hmm. I may or may not have watched friends like three yeah. or four different <laughs> times the entire, all the seasons. Yep. And it's funny cause the like, same way. <laughs> but th- as a culture, we, I think I, we've changed our opinion in a lot of ways about like what's acceptable and what's admirable and what's mm-hmm. not. And like, there's some, there's a couple episodes. I mean, first of all, on Friends, I don't like, I love you, Rachel, but why do you always have nipples poken out? Yeah. But second, <laughs> second, like Rachel and Monica and Phoebe are all like super skinny and like, yeah. Not that there's anything wrong with that. You know, some people mm-hmm. are just born that way. Um, but I'm pretty sure they all three had to work to look like that. And that was the ideal thing then in the nineties. And now we're at a point with the evolution of all these different fitness brands and routines that have come out now. It's like, there's such a bigger gamut of bodies that are acceptable and hot and, Mm -hmm. you know, seen as sexy or powerful or whatever. And now like I watching friends, I'm like, man, they make a lot of really cruel fat jokes. And also I would like to give them each a cheeseburger and invite right? them to work on the bench a little bit. It is so <laughs> like refreshing that that has been a change because I don't know if, do you remember that movie, a uh, million dollar baby with Hillary Swank? You remember how muscular yes. she got to play yeah. that role? And I remember she said something and this was obviously years and years ago that she played in this movie, but um, she said that she got she gained maybe like 15, 20 pounds of muscle. And she was like, oh, I I was too big. I was too big. I was too muscular. But she fit the part. But she fit the part. And then, you know, she's like, afterwards, I had to go back down because I just, I felt like I was too muscular. And looking back at her, I'm like, girl, no, you are not too muscular. Like You look like a girl that's like been lifting for six months. I was like, what are you talking about? You looked fantastic. And I'm just glad that now... I don't feel like so many people usually say that so much anymore. I mean, it's still out there and there are still people that feel that way. And, um, but I just think more women are being comfortable with having more weight and it doesn't even have to be, um, all muscle, just being heavier, eating, being healthier and not trying to starve themselves or miss meals and things like that, just to have a a certain type of body image or a certain type of weight. And, um, that's really refreshing, especially for me, because I've always been, heavier, even when I was younger and just heavier meaning I've always had a little bit of muscle in my body and it may have changed. And I, I look a little different over the years, but, um, 
I've always weighed more than most women. So even when I was at my smallest and I ran distance and um, I ran for the Army 10-miler, like the the team for the 82nd and things like that, I was about 130, whereas people would look at me and be like, no, you, you can't be any more than 115 or 110. I was like, uh, I yeah. haven't weighed 110 pounds since like fifth grade. What are you talking in about? In at least a decade. Like yeah. what, one of my thighs is like freaking <laughs> 90 pounds. What are you talking about? And I've always had leg, big legs. Yeah. So um, it was upsetting to me because I'm like, man, no, I'm... I am way bigger than that. And even now at 150, 155 is what I said at right about now. Like people are blown away when they, they're like, that's how much you weigh. I'm like, yeah. It's, and it took years to do this. It's funny you bring that up because I'm basically right at the same. Mm-hmm. I'm consistently around 154, 155 mm-hmm. in the last couple months. And I was always kind of thinner and it was really hard for me to put on muscle. But once I did and like I started actually working out like I had a goal to meet, mm-hmm. you know, outside of track and cross country in high school that was exclusive, almost exclusively like, you know, cardio or mm-hmm. metabolic yeah. conditioning of the long distance type. Like after college, like actually trying to work towards a, a goal, I've consistently gained weight. And I gain more and more with every year goes by. And I keep on saying, like, one of these days, I'm going to have to get tape for my PT yeah. test because I'm right there. Like, I'm <laughs> right at the limit where the army's yeah. like, we need to tape you to make sure you're not obese. Like, Same here. I've now hit it. And for years, I've never been there. And I'm now at that point where, depending on when, you know, I might drop a pound or two. But around for my height, um, I'm about one five four five five, depending on who's. <laughs> measuring me. Um, I could be 149. I could be 154. Well, I'm right, you know, in between that at any yeah. given point in time. And it is upsetting because I'm like, this standard is ridiculous. Like this weight yeah. standard is Based ridiculous. on like 1950s yeah. ideal human, like we've already discussed that. Yeah. It's, it's I'm like, doesn't even apply anymore. Are you kidding me? Like, you're really going to put a tape measure around my abs and tell me that I'm obese? Like, Excuse again. me, ma'am. Can you move your six-pack out of the <laughs> way so like, I can tape you and like make sure you're... blown away. But I, it's just one of those things I try not to let it get to me because it can. And for years, you know, being in the Army for, you know, as long as we've both been in, um, you know, you want to avoid that. You want to avoid kind of the stigma that goes with it, especially being an officer. It's like, oh, no, you need to get your weight in control. But actually you're like i don't have a weight problem <laughs> i'll not be trading my gains for less pounds yeah. thank you not oh, at man. all that's crazy so what are you what is your training looking like around now like for those that don't know by the way i'll speak directly to the listeners um ashley is one of our valkyrie project mentors and we have her in the forum just because she's got a lot of experience that she could share especially when it comes to balancing life challenges between being a mom and being an officer on active duty and also being a complete stud. What is your, what is your fitness program look like right now? What are you training up to do or what's the next goal? So right now, um, Chris, uh, McNamara that you had on here before is my coach. Um, and he has me focused on Wadapalooza qualifier prep. So yeah, yeah, that starts in the first week of November. It's changed this year, um, for team. Uh, individuals just or is just ending this week and now we'll start the team prep and myself and Lauren Childress and Lindsay Shaw will be on a team together and um, so a lot of my training now is a little bit heavier on the CrossFit typical CrossFit side Uh, there's a lot of wads where 
originally building up, I didn't really do so many wads. Chris had me doing a lot of um, isolation movement stuff, a lot of just traditional lifts. Strength um, and conditioning yeah, type. Yeah, just really uh, very basic. And I loved it. My body loves that. Um, just getting stronger in specific areas, especially for me, there's you know tiny muscles in my back and in my shoulders that are a little underdeveloped. And he kind of hit on those when I'm doing a lot of isolated kettlebell movements, um, single arm dumbbell movements. A lot of unilateral and, stuff. Really the yeah. stuff that makes you kind of unbreakable in terms mm-hmm. of under duress movement. Yeah. And I love that stuff because, you know, um, and a good example of that is I've been doing that for a couple months leading up to um, qualifier preps. And right now he has me doing uh, individual qualifiers, just the actual workouts to see how I how I fare with all the rest of the individual um, competitors. So there was one workout where there's like chest bar and wall balls and a couple of other things, some double unders. And I haven't done, I hadn't done chest bar in months. And I was like, okay. And I think the rep scheme was 150 double unders, 60 wall balls, 30 chest to bar, and 150 double unders. And I started doing double unders, no issues. Started doing the wall balls, never really a problem for me. And I go to do the chest to bar, and I just do 21 unbroken. And I only stopped because I was so shocked at how fast and efficient I was moving through these and how I didn't feel anything that I could have gone straight for 30. I just didn't because I was like, should oh, I you? breathe? <laughs> like, what am I what should I do? And even Chris was like, uh, okay, are you just going to go? <laughs> and we both are like, yeah, let's just, That's let's, amazing. But it was just send it. built all that awesome foundation working yeah. the other stuff first. Like it and makes sense. I've been blown away sense. a couple of times by just things like when I go back into some of the crosses stuff, because I've been so far away from it and I'm, I'm better. I'm moving more efficiently. Um, handstand walks, things that I can do now unbroken. I think he had me test that and I did like 90, 90 feet unbroken, which is the longest That's I've ever amazing, done. That's amazing, Ashley. Yeah, things that I just Good never, job. never done. And I'm like, wow, I'm, I'm knocking out, you know, 30 muscle ups where it, it used to take me like 10 minutes to do. Now we're talking like six, six thirty for me, like things I, I've taken drastic, my times have been drastically reduced, but yet my weight, I can still move a lot of weight. Um, there was another workout where I had to do um, three minutes of clean and jerks at 115. And then I had two minutes break and another three minutes to do a max clean and jerk. And I did 35 of the, at the 115, two minute break, I had to load my own weights and I hit 237 for a clean and jerk. And, you know, I still Damn. am able to move the weight too while being faster and more efficient. And that has been awesome for me. So I'm actually really excited to head into these qualifiers and see what I can do now. That's awesome. I'm really excited to see what, <laughs> how that all shakes out. That's good stuff. I mean, and if it's not, if it's not anything else, it's testimony to like the brains behind the Valkyrie Project yeah. programming, programming, right? Like he knows what he's he doing. He is amazing. He's amazing. And um, the thing I, I really do love about Chris is I can, it's a conversation. It's not just one way. Like I can chime in and be like, hey, you know, my shoulders are giving me a little bit of issue today, or I'm going to take this slow and do this. And we, we go kind of back and forth. And he's like, okay, try it this way. Go until you, you, you know, feel a certain way or you put a certain stress on your shoulders or your rotator cuffs and then stop or back down or take the weight down. And I really appreciate that because he values just my knowledge on my own body and competing and, you know, Mm -hmm. being in this stage in my life. And then he, he adds to it with, with his knowledge and his expertise. And I think that is invaluable. And I've, I'm so glad to have him as a coach. 
Yeah, it's, it's a really definite, consistent sign of a good coach, I think, is not only are they able to sort of, you know, look at you and interpolate, you know, what's going on there and kind of watch your numbers and, and make, mm-hmm. you know, inferences based on that, but to be like with a coach that recognizes that, you know, you're on body after a certain amount of time, you know, yeah, like I have this disease called resting bitch face that I wear <laughs> right. like a shield of armor when I have to go drop into another gym, mm-hmm. you know, when, on a different installation or whatever, like God help the soul that walks up to me and tries to <laughs> offer to help me with my, I mean, if you're not Chris or, you know, Dan down at our location yeah. of um, the two different places I train, like, I don't want to hear it. You don't know my body. Yeah. I've been doing this for a long time. I'm also a coach, you know, yeah. I have expectations for how people approach me with stuff. Like mm-hmm. I had a guy one time come up to me while I was doing cleans at a gym in Korea. And he was like, you know, your heels are leaving the floor when you do that. Right. Oh like, no. That's, that's a sign of a powerful explosive movement. Are, are you trying to correct me right now? Like, I'm in the middle of a workout. Doing? Get out of here. Get away from me. So annoying. <laughs> and I wish I didn't have to be such an asshole about it when it happens, but I just, ugh. I will say this. Can't help it sometimes. I, I don't get that. Most people don't talk to me in a gym. And I think it's 100% my face and my body. I'm <laughs> well, pretty sure no one talks. You have a beautiful face, <laughs> no but you certainly look like you train. That's I like don't think what I was anyone wants before. to say anything. I think well, they're just like, that girl. Her shoulders are really big. I'm just going to leave her alone. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with having some physical presence, man. It helps you out. I don't remember what the name of the article was or who wrote it, but a while back, a friend of mine, Summer, shared this um, article with me about women who train and um, women who train to try and lose weight and be small mm-hmm. versus, I think it was an Elizabeth Wally article or... Um, blog post or something anyway but she talked about you know why would you want to work so hard to just sort of make yourself disappear and be consistently smaller and smaller you know yeah you should embrace the idea of taking up space in a room and having yeah. presence when you enter and yeah that's right that's right it was basically like a love story for her thunder thighs and i'm like oh <laughs> yes so good i'm i am so with her and it and it's weird because i remember being that way, like I said, at the end of probably college and early 20s, being like, you know, I want to be smaller. Oh, it's so cute to be a zero or a two. And now I'm like, um, let's talk about my butt for a second because I'm not trying to have it go anywhere. Okay. <laughs> that's not what I'm trying to have. I'm trying to walk around with this butt yeah. all day long. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's what I want in these jeans. It's, it's so funny how that evolves. Like, I don't know. This morning, I think I put six different pairs of pretty expensive training shorts that I've bought over the last couple of years on sale yeah, on Poshmark. Cause I'm like, <laughs> I need to stop living in this fantasy land where my ass is going to get smaller by some kind of magic. Like, I've had to do that. Not that too. I want it to get smaller, but I'm like, maybe I'll just, you know, have a rough patch where I can't train for a couple of weeks. I'll lose some pounds and I'll want these shorts back. It's never happened in I two years. I had to sell them. Also my tops, because I'm like, my arms are not having this anymore. I'm These losing circulation in, yeah. in my fingers because the <laughs> sleeves are tight. <laughs> I had to get a new army uniform, a new like shirt for my um my ASUs because it was just not happening. Mm-hmm. And the lady at clothing and sales was like, um, you have to go up. I was like, I know. Can you just like toss me another shirt, please? I'm, I'm 
Got it. <laughs> Thank you. I'm not opposed to buying yeah. a bigger size. Oh, I'm, I think I'm on my second set of ASUs yeah. now. The first set I bought when I commissioned, I was probably 25, 30 pounds lighter. Yeah, me too. But I, the first time I was like, I was in denial because after a couple of years, you know, focused training, I was like, okay, I can get this adjusted. Like, I don't need to buy a whole nother set of ASUs. I'm going to get this adjusted. And I was in Korea. Mm-hmm. I took it to the on post um, little sew shop or whatever. And the guy, he's like, listen, I can do this for you, but you can't get any bigger. Like, you can't. And I'm like, thanks, guy. He's like, yeah, but I think, but he, he was actually a local Korean dude. So what he mm-hmm. said verbatim was like, don't get fatter. <laughs> That's what the lady at clothing sales basically said. Yeah. And she was like, there's this guy that comes in here and he's so big and none of the shirts fit him. And I'm like, why are you even that big? And I'm looking at this lady like... I'm sorry, you're saying this like this is a problem. Did I miss no. something here? What's, what? So you want the man to not have biceps? Because false, I'm not into that. That's <laughs> that's the guy you, well, first of all, that's the guy you want to look at. But secondly, that's the guy you want on your team yeah. when shit goes down. Exactly. Yeah. Like, no, I don't want the small-armed man that can run uh, two marathons in one day. No, I don't. I need people that can pick up things and pick me up. Like, what if I fall unconscious? Yeah. And I think it, it you know, it goes without saying that, like, depending on what your job is or what your role is in the mm-hmm. military, you know, it's going to vary. Like yeah. if you're a logistician, you know, there's going to be a lot less physical demand on you in the job. Mm-hmm. But either way, at the end of the day, when all things are said and done and like the apocalypse happens yeah. in the United States of America, every person in uniform will be expected to be able to pick up a rifle yeah. and shoot, move and communicate to some degree. So, and uh, let me tell you the my brigade, We've got a struggle, struggle on our hands with that. Really? What's going on? <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I, a lot of my soldiers just, um, if, when it comes to fitness, either they're not interested in it or they don't know how to do it correct. Like, they don't know how to do a lot of things correctly. And if they go out and they're lifting on their own, a lot of times they're getting injured. And um, then they're med boarding. I actually have a, quite a bit of med boards. And they're young. Wow. They're like 21, 22. Yeah. Are, you, well, you're, are you still in command? I am. I'm still in command for that's, another week. <laughs> oh, wow. You only got a week left. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Another week. I yeah. That's emotional. So it is. It's um, obviously bittersweet. I have been overly stressed. and um, But uh, just the experience in general has been amazing. And I've learned so much more than I, I've ever learned in the Army in this job. Just about everything, every, whether it be logistics, you know, the healthcare and how we take care of our soldiers and how we get things sent up and processed, um, different types of, um, agencies that are there to help them just so, so much. I've been inundated with information just the entire time I've been in command. And, um, yeah, I've, I mean, I've enjoyed it, but you know, I am ready to pass it on to someone else cause it is exhausting. I bet. I can't even imagine. Uh, I get tired watching new commanders roll in and out. Like, my ticket's going to be coming up at some point. I got to get emotionally ready. Yeah. But, oh, man. It's a tough nut to crack when you have, I feel like, a problem with, like, soldier, fi- soldier fitness. Because, yeah. you know, there's sort of a structure for how we c- can get people in shape or at least mm-hmm. to try and sort of help that along. But a lot of times people we have to depend on like NCOs for, for structuring those PT programs mm-hmm. are 
not properly trained. Nope. And there's a couple veins that you can take to send them off to army schools to help mm-hmm. them get better at that kind of thing. But when there's so many other time demands, it's a really difficult problem to solve. Especially and some of them aren't fit themselves and they don't have the foundation, yeah. the foundational knowledge yeah. of fitness in exactly. general to help anyone else. Exactly. So that is a huge issue by itself. And um, so at least in my company, I tried to take people who were on a profile and I tried to cater fitness as best as I could to their profile and what they could do and, and push them. And it took a lot of individual time per soldier, like one-on-one with me. And usually commanders don't do that, but, but you have I did the foundation, it. you have the background. Yeah, I did it. Cause I was like, you know what? Um, you know, this individual isn't going to get any better unless I am running beside him up the street being like, Hey, you know, your, your gate is too, is your, your stride is too open too much. You know, your gate, you're, you're off a little bit, relax your, your shoulders, striking, breathe, you're this, you're that. all of the, like, yeah. and I did that with a couple of my soldiers for miles and miles, just calling it out as, as I ran beside them. And it worked because a couple months later, they, you know, cut times down off their PT tests and they went from failing to passing, but it took so much time and energy and I had to stay on them. And the moment I, I lapsed, they went right back. So I had to go back and pull them aside yeah. again and to keep them at that level. And it's hard. You can't it's do it. It's hard to do. And I, you cannot do it by yourself. And you can't do it for them. They have to have nope. some kind of motive, yeah. intrinsic motivation to do that. Mm-hmm. It's tough, man. I I had a similar situation as a in my first platoon leader job. Um, there were a couple dudes. I only had like four or five maintainers under me. Really, it was mm-hmm. like a tiny. We called ourselves a platoon, but that's laughable. It was like a squad mm-hmm. worth of dudes, and um, a couple of them were freaky good runners. Yeah, just naturally fit people that were good at you know the things that the army looks at for yeah. physical fitness, which is as of this date in October of 2018 is push-ups, sit-ups, and a yeah. two-mile run. We're coming up on a change. But um, there were the other dudes were kind of struggling, and we had one dude who was consistently like on the verge of a heart attack when we would go for a run. Yeah. And we would had constantly... A like that, too. My NCOIC, you know, he did the best he could, but he was a little overweight, and he would take us out. Like, I just kind of was trying to be a fly on the wall for the first couple of weeks. I was like, I want to see how PT happens. Mm-hmm. Um, and we would, like, go run the airfield. And it was basically a four-mile loop of everybody sprint as fast as the fastest guy who's really damn fast. Yep. And then when heart attack guy inevitably starts having a heart attack, we'll force him to the front so he can, quote, unquote, set the pace. But now everyone else, everyone's going to shuffle for 200 meters until he looks like he's not about to die. And then I'm going to make him sprint again. Like Mm -hmm. there's no rhyme or reason to this. There's no end state. That was the entire 80 seconds. (laughs) So we, we started doing LTPT. I like took Tuesday by hostage and I was like, we're going to do what I want to do on Tuesdays. And so we integrated a lot of functional fitness type Mm -hmm. stuff, Tabata intervals. And I'm like, Hey guys, we don't have to work out for a whole hour. Mm -hmm. Let's warm up and stretch out. We'll get 20 to 30 good minutes of work mm-hmm. and then we'll stretch out again and go home. Like, you know, this whole mentality of I have to fill the whole hour is just obnoxious. And then when I was in the 80 seconds, an hour and a half. Yeah. So <sighs> having to fill all that. And a lot of times we would run. So we would get seven, eight miles in 
in that hour and a half. And it was... And then Ashley's got to go squat later that yeah. day. <laughs> so, hence, I wasn't uh. that good at that time. I'm a lot better now because I couldn't squat as much. You know, my legs were fatigued. I wasn't as hydrated by the time. Yeah. Usually, I'd get back in the gym around 1130. And... Um, I definitely wasn't hydrated from running from 6.30 to 7.45 every, almost every day and then going back into the yeah. gym. Like, I tried, but um, I felt it. And it wasn't until I changed units that I really had a chance to kind of steer my own path when it came to my morning routine and then being able to have my gym routine later on. And that really helped. Yeah. I hope that just in general as an organization, the Army – the military in general can get to a point where, and it'll probably never happen, but it would be nice to see it get to a point where exercise becomes more of an individualized thing. As in, if you're enough of an adult to raise your right hand and pass the test when you first come in, the expectation is you can maintain that. And we can periodically do, you know, exercise together for fun, let's say, hit the weight room just because we feel like it during lunch or something. Yeah. But to not allow it to be more individualized or, you know, something that makes sense for the longevity of the force, I think is a big mistake. I think it is too. I definitely think it is too, because at the end of the day, everyone has a different background. Everyone, you know, you have some people that the first time they've done anything physical is when they join the military. And Mm -hmm. that same person is not going to be able to get up off the couch and run with you at that pace for that long. Like it's, it's not going to happen. And they need, they have different needs when it comes to their physical demands, especially on their body. And I think we do, we need to work on how we execute that as a force. Yeah, absolutely agree. Um, And that's, you know, really one of the big things we try to get after in the Valkyrie Project is identifying such a huge gap for for training to get women to Mm -hmm. a point where they feel like they have enough, you know, physical conditioning, but really confidence going into things like, you know, infantry bullock or mm-hmm. ranger school or, you know, even if, I think I recently, Chris sent me an article today, actually, it was um, like the first female candidate got through like the first two phases of MARSOC selection. So basically like it's their special force, mm-hmm. special operations forces assessment and selection stuff, which is never easy in any branch. No. Um, so it's amazing. And those things are starting to happen, but you know, it was it was a big piece of inspiration for us to start this whole thing. Is like there needs to be something out there for women that are looking for the training to get to get them to that point. Um, tying back to what you said a minute ago, the point of how do we bridge the gap between the person who just joined and mm-hmm. like they're only good at push-ups because they made him do it for nine weeks in basic training. Yeah, and the point of I'm good enough now to go after those jobs that are really difficult, but a job I want nonetheless. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you can't, I'm not surprised sort of at the pace that we're seeing women do more of those jobs and, you know, go through those schools more often just because sometimes the foundation isn't there. Yeah. And that's what we have to do is with programs like VP and other stuff is, you know, and especially as women, there. the fitness foundation. And a lot of times, I mean, remember we're, we're just going into this new, appreciation for a physically fit woman that has muscles on her body and we're not calling her, you know, a man or not saying that she's on steroids or anything. Oh, and that you shit know, still happens. Uh, it There's still so happens. There's so trolls on the internet. It like, definitely well, how much still does happens. she bench press? Yeah. Way more than you. <laughs> but uh, at least now we're, we're talking about it and now we're kind of defending 
yeah. that muscular physique more than it was when we were younger. And so I remember when I joined the military, like those jobs, well, obviously they weren't on the table yet, but I never even thought about it because it just always seemed like it was off limits to women and no one wanted automatic. a woman. Yeah. You yeah. didn't like, I remember my friends on the Ranger challenge team and yep. RTC <laughs> who were all dudes, like, cause I was the only girl on team. Yep. Making fun of me. Same like, here. Well, you better enjoy that Ranger Challenge tab because you'll never get a real one. Yep. And it was like earth shattering for me a couple of years back. And I'm like, seeing women actually do it, it's amazing. It it's is. It's really exciting. It is. And, it, you know, we're, we're trying to get that, shake that mentality out of everyone, out of, out of the guys. Because, you know, a lot of them feel that way. You know, I've had my own peers say stuff about, you know, me being muscular and just like, oh my gosh, like... I would never want a, a woman that has muscles in their body. And, you know, she looks like a man. I was like, really? Because you have no muscles. So what are you? If, I, if I'm a man, what are you? Because you, know you have what, nothing. Yeah. Like, you know what I've said back to those guys? Like my most frequent response. And, and typically it's not directed at me. Um, it, it's more often been like when, you know, inevitably somebody asks me about, you know, coaching or whatever. And they mentioned that they saw the women on the CrossFit games or whatever. Mm -hmm. And it's like, oh, I just don't even find that attractive. And I'm like, you know, politely, because I want to have, I'd rather have a conversation than shut somebody down yeah. and just have them blow me off. I'm like, do you actually think that the fittest woman on earth right now, you know, whoever it is, Annie Thor's daughter, yeah. or whoever it was, whoever. Time, do you think she actually gives a shit with her million dollar <laughs> prize right now that, that you don't like her muscles? Because... For every you, there's 10 men that, f that find her attractive. Way more fit than you are. And oh, by the way, that doesn't even matter. Like she's, she's a badass. She's meeting her goals and making money doing it. But like, all of those women, their men are just as like way larger than that. It's like, why would she want you small man with no muscles? Like, no, she's not interested in you either. So yeah, the feeling not, is mutual. She's not losing any sleep over here. <laughs> no disapproval of her attractiveness like that's what i said on. like anyone that's ever told me that i'm like it's always someone with let you know does 10 push-ups and is exhausted and has like i'm like you're also i don't find you attractive either so at least we're we're good on that thank you <laughs> i appreciate it i don't know like i feel like there was one or two dudes that said something like that who themselves were in good shape but it also i think speaks sometimes to the background that they come from yeah of like maybe all the women they've ever been surrounded by are women who really don't train at all, which is yeah. fine. That's their choice. Um, but it's, it's kind of been odd to me to see how earth shattering it is for some men to see women that want to do those things. Yeah. Like I tell this story a lot because it's, it kind of restored my faith in humanity, but I had a long, um, it was essentially like tryouts type thing. Mm -hmm. in the military in uh this guy would consistently say things like when i would volunteer to help with a particular event because i had experience in that event and mm -hmm. he'd be like no we need somebody strong like oh. immediate assumptions that i was like weak and dumb and stuff mm -hmm. consistently over the time of this assessment in uh towards the end he actually sat me down and apologized to me and was like you know i didn't really didn't expect much of out of you or the other women here because you know, I've never been exposed to this. I was in the infantry before. There weren't any, at the time, no women in the infantry. Yeah. And all he knew about women was his mom and his girlfriend and his teachers. And, and that's fine, you know. I would never put myself in a position where I should be hating on any woman that doesn't want to 
trained. That's, yeah. that's cool. But yeah. he'd never been exposed. And like, it's hard for me sometimes to control my temper, but like, that's the one thing that brings me back is like, maybe they've just never seen a woman do something like this. And all it takes is me having a little patience to be willing to say, well, you should give me a chance and I'll prove myself every time. Like, yeah. it's been, it's been an interesting <laughs> journey in that aspect. Yeah, I definitely have um, a little bit of a temper when it comes to things like that, too, because I'm like, one, I didn't ask you your opinion. Two, I don't train for you. Three, I like to see what my body can do, not just what it, you know, looks like. But um, I think the, the thing that has given me at least confidence over the years to tackle situations like that is I just don't feel less than. I've never felt less than at anything like um i'm i'm fit i'm good at my job you know i have a child that you know i carried and brought into this world you know i have a great boyfriend who is you know six three 220 pounds of muscle so he has nothing to nothing but great things to say about me and my fitness and supports it all the way so it's just i just feel completely validated in my life and how I do things and I feel very empowered because I have you know two guys at home that love the shit out of me and support me in everything I do and they're you know my cheerleaders when I'm out there on the floor at any competition doing you know anything and watching especially watching you know my son and his expectations of women now and it's it's wonderful because he he has a nanny and she's the best thing ever but she um she doesn't really work out as much. I mean, she works out occasionally, but you know, she doesn't train like I train. And originally she wasn't really interested in it. And then my son is like, so you don't like to like lift any weights? And he kind of like peer pressured her (laughs) into starting to lift weights. And then now she's tried and she's like, man, this is great. Like, she's like, I, I love your body. I want, you know, I want to try to do this. And she's, it's opened her mind when initially she just never thought about it. And now she's like, Maybe if I had a little bit of muscle on me, you know, I could do a little more. I could try a little more things. And that's awesome. It's exciting. Yeah, it's exciting yeah. seeing women who originally weren't interested in that and only wanted to be skinny or only want to, you know, look a certain type of way or look at, you know, a Kardashian and think that's the only way I can, you know, have a great body. And it's the only way anyone would ever want me. And now start to look at CrossFit athletes or myself or people that they can see every day who, live totally normal lives and still for all intents and purposes are feminine. Mm-hmm. Like I still wear dresses. I still wear makeup. I still, I'm still yeah. very feminine and yet I still try to kick ass as best I can yeah. in the gym. It's, it's nice to see us move towards that now. Absolutely. And there's so much contextualizing you have to do with it too. Like how do you define feminine femininity yeah. if it's exclusively, you know, being curvy and without muscles yeah. or whatever, we, Women come in all shapes and sizes. Exactly. It's a very personal thing. Femininity is a very personal thing, I think. And it is what you make it. That's so true. But, um, you know, in addition to that, I thought it was cool. I kind of noticed you used two different words. You first said, she works out, but then she saw me training. Mm -hmm. And it was like, wow, there is a really big difference between what those two words mean, isn't there? Because (laughs) working out is, you know, I think in my mind implies more of a, either your goal is just to move around for that day mm-hmm. or to do some kind of maintenance for whatever, for life. Yeah. 
Um, whereas training implies that you've got a, a greater, bigger goal, like mm-hmm. an objective that you're trying to meet. And nine times out of 10, especially in the coaching realm, I've seen a lot more success out of people who can concretely define their goals. Yeah. You know, yeah. even if that goal is, I want to be in shape, but be able to deadlift 50 more pounds by this time mm-hmm. next year, whatever the case may be. Um, I think that's a significant difference too, that like we're transitioning less from again, working out to look a certain way into training for a goal. And even the yeah. bodybuilders, like, yeah, they're going through, a, through, through the ringer in a lot of ways, but they're training for something Yeah, they are. to get up on that stage yeah. and look good doing it. Hopefully they didn't miss their spray tan appointment like that one guy. But. I know. And the le- obviously the <laughs> levels of discipline for, you know, bodybuilding or just training or working out, it varies, but yep. there has to be discipline there. And another thing people ask me, they're like, I just don't understand how you can come home from working 12 hours and work out. Like where, why do you do that? And you know, what motivates you to do that? I was like, I don't, motivation isn't there. I don't have motivation to do that. Let me tell you, the one thing I don't have, I'm tired. I'm usually not motivated to go to the gym. Actually, I can tell you probably realistically, maybe twice a week, I'm genuinely motivated. Other than that, I'm doing it. I'm disciplined and I'm doing it. I'm executing the training plan because one, that's what my coach expects of me. Two, I'm going to be upset later on if I decide not to do it. And I go out on the competition floor and something doesn't go right. And I know there I can get a little emotional and I, I you know, I spend a lot of time in my headspace and making sure that, you know, I'm, I'm executing things like I did in training. But if I neglected my training and there's gaps in my training, I'm going to feel it later on and I'm yep. going to be hard on myself then. So I think of all those things on the days when I come home and I'm working late and I'm like, really, I just want to go get in my bed. And I'm like, nope, I have it in me. I need to go work out. And then there are days when I really am just flat line from the day. And I know when that happens, I do go to bed and I, and I, I like go to bed. It could be like seven o'clock yeah. and I'm asleep and I'll, and yeah. I'll tell Chris that like, Hey, today I could get it done. I can do it tomorrow. And a lot of times he'll be like, don't worry about it. We'll just skip that one. But I, I end up making it up later on. But, yeah. um, I, I just go with how I feel. And if I can do it great, if I don't, I don't sweat it, Yeah. but I don't let motivation be the reason for what I do. It's yeah, I can't, I can't tell you how much I can like understand that feeling. Um, and I still, I feel like from week to week, finding the right balance continues to be a struggle. Like I'll never get to a point where like, yep, I have balance. Like mm-hmm. it's an active process yeah. every day to, to do myself right. And also do the work that needs to d- be done. I had a lot of moments like that back in 2013, trying to get ready for regionals mm-hmm. in Korea. It was like, there were a lot of days when I would email my coach at the time mm-hmm. who's with a different company. Um, and you'd be like, it's okay, don't worry about it. We can push it to tomorrow or adjust or whatever. But there's a fine line between I must do this or I will regret it. Mm-hmm. And just my body's wrecked. Yeah. I need some sleep. Yeah. That's a difficult, that's a difficult thing. And I think one of the cool things about, you know, having you on the show is, is like, this is confirmation for the other women out there that, or trying to do something similar, balance yeah. like a personal life and a work life and a gym life is there is no there is no silver bullet that no. is the right answer for your life. It's Mm-mm. choices moment by moment and celebrating the moments when you get it right. And if you get it wrong, forgiving yourself and moving on. Yeah, and don't dwell on the times when you get it wrong. Yeah. That's one thing that I've had to learn myself too. 
because you know you're not going to make everything you're not going to get to every event you're not going to do every single training you know the way that you wanted or with the intensity that you wanted or at the time that you want it's just not going to happen and you just have to forgive and keep going and i think that's something that a lot of people do struggle with at least when women come and confide in me in their the process that they're in and what they're trying yeah. to do and i'm like hey just forgive yourself and go if you sat there and had you know four or five cookies or whatever it doesn't matter it doesn't matter tomorrow try not to have those cookies and keep going just don't sit in it and yeah because life is way too short for that yeah there's a really it's an easy habit for people to get into i think especially like having seen people do things like nutrition challenges mm-hmm. or whatever now, i'm gonna do whole 30 or whatever this yeah. is for the next 30 days and they eat two cookies and it's like, well, I guess I'm done here. Like, mm-hmm. but, you know, plus two cookies will last in your system for the next few hours or so yeah. you metabolize them and then go back to what you were trying to do before. Like it's not, it's not necessarily going to derail your whole, your whole attempt. And I would argue actually that the ability to be resilient and bounce back from moments of weakness or failure mm-hmm. is perhaps more important than straight through perfection. Yeah. Because there will inevitably Absolutely. be times when you're doing everything you're supposed to, something's going to go wrong, and you have to evolve and keep going. Like when you get sick. That's that's what happens oh, to me. Yes. And uh, really, Chris, yeah, I don't Chris get and sick, I, I just get hurt. I <laughs> see. I thank thank God I haven't had any serious injuries, but um, I I'll get sick, and when my my training intensity increases, and if if I'm in a cycle where everything is just really intense and really long. And I've had really long work days. I will almost, like clockwork, by the end of it, get a cold or get something something gross. And it's funny because even Chris has been able to see that that like, as it <laughs> as it hits up, I get something and it, it knocks me down for a day or two. And um, does he send you your workout and be like, "Don't get sick on me, yeah. I'm gonna ask you to put ten percent more on the bar. Don't get sick on me." No, he's just like, <laughs> okay. He's like, I know, and he he always talks me down because he knows I get. I get really angry, and one thing I don't like is I just don't like being sick. Like I'm like I wash my hands all the time. I do this. I drink water. How did this happen? <laughs> this <laughs> this foul thing get in my body. No, but um, he's always like, it's okay. It happens. You know, we've gone intense for a couple of cycles. It's all right. You'll be fine. And he does a really good job at that because I will ride that freak out sick train all the way into just being really upset. And he he does a good job with that. But um. Yeah, it it comes around almost like clockwork and you just can't let it get to you and you just have to pick back up and you know that one day where you're feeling okay like you can work out, that day, that training day is going to suck. It's going to suck yep. so bad. Lungs because, burning. Yeah, oh everything's going to hurt so fast. Like two minutes in, you're going to want to stop. You're going to feel that deep pit of wanting to cry and you just got to keep moving. <laughs> and that's a, another thing. And training, at least for me, heading into to Wadapalooza and really coming out from it last year into this year, my biggest thing that I'm really proud of my moment is my mental game. When I'm in the suck has changed so what much. What has changed? Because, okay, this is huge, huge, huge for so many people out there. You know, myself included, it's a constant battle to get my game on point yeah. like, mentally. And I've actually been recently reading a book called um, You Are the Placebo. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, depending on what you interpret it, it could be like a little bit out there or, you mm-hmm. know, but there's actually a lot of hard science in it. And I'm continually floored with every page that I turn how effective things like visualization yeah. and believing that good outcomes will happen for you, even mm-hmm. if they haven't in the past, 
literally change your physiology Mm -hmm. and the structure of your brain. And the more you practice doing it, the better you get at it. So I want to hear Ashley's technique. What do you do? So that's, I, I do that leading up to an event or even when I'm going into do a qualifier or something like that, or I'm going into a, competi- a competition, I visualize my movement. I visualize, you know, where I want to be, how I want to feel and everything. But in my training mentally, what I've, I've kind of made a decision that everything's going to hurt immediately. And I want to feel it. And I know people say embrace the, embrace the pain, embrace the suck, but really sit in my red line and sit in, in my, I guess, and where my shortness of breath and where my heart is very erratic, sit in it, feel what it feels like, take a big breath, open your eyes and go to the next movement. And it's spent, I spent so much time trying to do this and it's so hard. It's very hard. And I think- What were you doing instead of that? Like instead of being present with what was happening, was it more a decision to take a break and walk away from the bar? Yeah, so I used to do that. Also, I used to just kind of- um, go on autopilot and like kind of not blackout, but just especially when you go hard and fast in a competition, you just kind of try to put your blinders on and go and go and go. And I don't think that was working for me because but when I hit a wall and I hit my wall fast, I couldn't come back from it. And especially with things like burpees or something that I just really hate. And it's, I'm doing burpee box jump overs and it's just like, I can't get it together. And I was having a really hard time doing that. And it was because I was resisting that pain and resisting that feeling. And now I just stopped resisting it. And I let it, and it's going to sound really strange, but I just let it wash over me. And I take another deep breath and everything's burning. And I just find out what hurts the most, whether it's my lower back or something. I try to open it up more, shake my shoulders out and just keep it going, keep it going, keep it going. So when you talk about the red line for, for those that maybe haven't heard that term before, don't use it. Essentially what we talk about in, you know, in pretty intensive training Mm -hmm. where your vision's getting blurry, your Mm -hmm. heart rate's really high. You might get like a cold sweat or a little bit of a dizziness feeling. And it's generally the spot where your body is like, okay, I'm done. And it's where a lot of times you'll see athletes bend in half with their hands Mm -hmm. on their knees, or they're just kind of like zombie walk, like waddling away. Um, your red line so when, so when you weren't doing it the way you wanted to before, were you like at 90% of the red line and you're almost there and you're like, I have to slow back a bit because mm-hmm. I don't want to be there because I know I can't survive it? Or would you get to red line and just not be able to continue moving? Yeah. So I would say in the years ago, I, would, I wouldn't even let myself get there and I would stop. And just then I got to the point where I got there and I just, it would just create a breakdown. Like your tears, almost a borderline tantrum. I can't breathe. I can't see. Like I just couldn't pull it together and I couldn't keep moving. And I've also increased my red line too, but now I get to the point where I get there and I have that feeling again where everything hurts and everything, I I can't see straight, but I can still reel it back in. I can still try to control my breath, focus on the one thing, which I, I now understand what people say was find your breath and focus on that. Because, and I chant in my head, and I'm like, you're okay, you have this, you need to breathe. And I just tell myself that over and over again. It doesn't matter, I don't care about the clock, I don't care about the time. It's just, you're okay, you have this, you need to breathe, keep moving. And the good thing about, usually in most of my qualifiers or my competitions, I have someone there, whether it be Chris or you know a friend or someone who's counting my reps, or even the judge, 
I just hold on to the voice because usually I can't see. And it's funny because I can't, I, I cannot see. That is one thing where I, I, I'm so focused and I'm so in my, in my head. I can't really, I will never kind of see a clock or be able to pay attention, but I can hear a voice. And if I know someone is telling me, hey, you need, to, you need to pick it back up, you need to do this, you need to move here, I can react to it and move. And I wasn't okay. able to do that before where now it's, it's so different. That's really cool. So you're, it's almost like your own mantra or the sound of the judge or the coach or whoever it is, whatever you're choosing to focus on when mm-hmm. you're in the red line moment brings you back present mm-hmm. instead of just like this absentee, like dead zombie feeling. Yeah. Like it brings you back. It's to been the very surreal for me with my mental game and on everything that I hate between the rower and just think like, I, I've never liked rowing. I'm short. I, I hate it. And I've been able to once again, just come back and keep pulling and keep and everything's gotten so much better. And, uh, it's floored me how well that has worked. And it's something that I continue, obviously I want to build on and I want to get better at, but I think that's the one thing that I'm, I'm really, really proud of, of, you know, people are like, well, your, your clean and jerk is so this, or you can move so fast this. And I'm like, I'm proud of my mental game, man. Like before I would have a breakdown and now I'm not, I'm not so much like that anymore. Well, that's awesome. Yeah. Like I can understand that struggle for sure. And it's been less so lately for me, just cause my focus is typically like with the program that we're doing, mm-hmm. you know, we'll occasionally have like sprint workouts, but we don't frequently get at the red line and stay there. Mm-hmm. So I haven't had to push myself to that brink, but that's, that's a difficult thing that I've experienced in the past is yeah. just sitting in that and finding a way around it. I'll have to try that technique the next it's, time I've got a crappy one. It's, I, I will say it's, it's hard and it's, I have gone, gotten to it fighting. And I it will, Chris has programmed a lot of workouts that take me a full hour, hour and a half. Sometimes when I get, when it gets really bad, it'll be like two hours of just consistently moving, like in a workout. And he's done that to me a couple of times where it's been something really heavy over my head over a long distance for like 10, 12 rounds. So I'm like, you know, I'm texting him back. And I'm like, yeah, that took me an hour and a half of moving the whole thing. And those are the times where I'm like, I bounce back and forth because a couple of times I'm just ready to get it over with. So I, I move really, really fast and I'm at that line. So I, I'm like, there's nothing else I can do. You know, I have to get it done. What can I work on while I'm sitting in here? My mental game. That's the only thing. So it, it's kind of been a forcing function by being in that workout for that long where I'm like, let's play with this. Let's increase the intensity in these rounds and let's see how I feel. Let's go through, you know, breathing. Let's take it back down. You're getting too much. You know, you're getting to that level where you, you kind of want to cry and everyone knows it. I know I'm not the only person that has cried during any workout. I'm on the same boat. Like, and it's fine. I'm like, I wish everybody could see me over here just like smiling and nodding. Cause like, I know what she's talking yes. about. Um, so for those that haven't listened to the first episode, Chris, that is Ashley's coach is mm-hmm. the same guy that writes our Valkyrie project programming. Yep. So a lot of the methodologies that he uses that we know work or that are proven by science or things that, you know, we've, we've both done. Um, uh, currently I'm doing the VP programming, but previously I was on a solo program with Chris as well. And mm-hmm. I just, when you told that story, I was thinking back to the time he made me do like some obscene, like. 10 intervals of 500 meters on the row or something mm-hmm. like that. And it took fucking ever. Yep. <laughs> and by the time I was done, like my heels were like hamburger meat because I was sitting in the rower that long and it was really humid. So I kept mm-hmm. sweating and my socks were creating all this friction on the back yep. of my feet and it was just miserable. But 
it forced, it did a couple things for me. Like you said before, it forces you into your headspace mm-hmm. where it's like, I have to pass this time. Yep. So maybe I'll adjust the damper settings a little and see what diff- feels different. Maybe I'll adjust the pace, like the poles per minute, just to mm-hmm. see how that changes my time. And I'm ready by like ready to cry by round eight and yep. disbelief that I have two left. But inevitably, you walk away and you're like, I just sat on that bench for an hour yep. rowing 500 meter intervals. I've never had to do that before. But now that I've done it, I know I can and I'll be okay. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think, one of the most inspiring and like rewarding things about the way that he writes his programming, knowing that knowing the science of the fact that women can take more volume Mm -hmm. in training um, and getting that validation, especially as a tactical athlete, that you can last a really long time. You just have to put in the work and hang with it. Like, that was a big deal for me. Yeah. That that one particular day was a game changer. Like, I'm capable of so much more than Mm -hmm. I thought. And I just get in, I get into that mind and I start playing around with things and I'm like, you know what? Uh, It's almost like you're, you're meeting yourself. It's like you're you're getting to know yourself all over again because you're spending that much time in varying levels of of pain and intensity, and you're like, wow, like I didn't know you were capable of this. You go, go, girl, you got this. Yeah. And it's funny because I'm all by myself usually when I'm doing this, or it's crazy because yeah. I I have a gym in my garage. Well, and who's that's gonna hang out with out. you if you're doing ten exactly. rounds of five hundred? They'd be like, bye. At night, my have neighbors. Fun. I had one one of them where he had me doing fifty meter. Um, double overhead kettlebell lunges with 53 pounds over oh, yeah, my head. Yeah. yeah. So they're like 50 meters. And I'm, I think they had to have been like 10 rounds of it. I was, I was doing it well into darkness and the neighbors are out there just watching me lunge with these huge kettlebells over my head. And they're just like, <laughs> what is this? What is she doing? And I'm just going at it and you know, it's dark and I'm like, man, like this is where I want to be. This is my happy place as sick and twisted as that sounds like I, I was yeah. really happy to just be moving and feel how I feel and be in that headspace right then and there and and grateful just it, and I'm not a games athlete I'm not anything but I'm just like I'm grateful for what my body has consistently done for me between running miles and miles and rucking and jumping out of planes and carrying a baby and you know now doing this and going to regionals and doing like my body has never failed me and I am proud of it every day for what it can do and I I try to remember that and I try to just be thankful for it because it you know it might not always you know I joke I have this catchphrase I say I say hashtag team BMI too high and that's because anytime I have to do anything where I'm upside down I'm like man I feel this is when I feel like a big girl when I got to put these thighs upside down like all for the, a handstand yeah like any of the gymnastic movements from yeah like, God, why did I eat that extra whatever that's when you're like, you're like everything's cool when I'm walking upright but when I'm upside down I'm like uh, I'm a big girl but I'm like, you know, I'm still doing it. I'm still as slow and steady as I do those handstand pushups. I'm still doing it and I'm I'm proud. You know, I'm proud that I can I can do it. That the the fun things I used to do when I was 3 and in gymnastics, I can still do now. I, as a matter of fact, I hand I handstand walk way better now than I ever did when I, I was bet. competing in gymnastics yeah. and it's it's just funny, you know, being 30 and being able to do these things and I I'm, yeah. I'm happy. I'm grateful to be able to do them. Uh, man, I feel like we're on like the same wavelength right now because I was actually thinking about gratitude when you started mm-hmm. going into that huge double overhead kettlebell lunge story. Um, so two things. One, being like, 
my, I never did sports or anything as a kid. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really have my first like brush with sports till high school. I started running track and cross country just to make friends basically. Mm-hmm. Um, didn't start really lifting weights until like college or afterwards. And man, like the amount of confidence I feel like that little Meg could have gotten early on. Yeah. You know, not to say like I have regrets or anything, but it's, I think it's important to take ownership of that. Yeah. Like a lot of things that I think would have built my confidence as a kid are not coming into my life until much later. I know. And right? I'm super grateful for that, but it's also going to be an important message and lesson to carry forward when I have kids mm-hmm. that, you know, there's a lot more in you than you think. And, you know, I look forward to someday being able to instill that into my kids. But two, the gratitude thing, I feel like that's the consistent one thing that helps me come back from like a deep pit of frustration Mm -hmm. when, I mean, I'm one of those people that for whatever reason I have like nagging ongoing injuries. Mm -hmm. I think some of it has to do with early on in like my fitness journey days, I didn't get great coaching Mm -hmm. and I built a lot of bad habits. And so it's been a years long process to get out of those habits. And and I think just some of those patterns still sneak up on me sometimes. But when I have like nagging pain or, you know, tightness in my shoulders and issues, um, the very, the very exact thing that brings me back from, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, this isn't worth it. I just can't, I just can't is being grateful. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, can you imagine the hundreds of miles of like road we've put underneath our feet Yeah, between running and rucking and, you know, miles road, whatever, like it's absolutely mind-blowing and I think that's a good technique to you know for our listeners if you take anything away take some techniques I like Ashley's like here's how you get through the red line technique but definitely thinking about the laundry list of things that you know your body does for you on a Mm day-to-day basis Um, it's pretty miraculous yeah and it brings me back every time. And I, I tell people, because you know, I have people who are really into like cars and the way they dress. I'm like, you take such good care of all these things and your body, you just throw it by like toss by the wayside. Like you don't care what you put in it. You don't care. Pump you know, it full of much, Mountain Dew. Yeah, how much <laughs> sleep you give it. And I just think, it, yeah. you know, obviously everyone, re- you know, they say, well, as you get older, you regret it. But one thing I, I try to tell people is I'm like, just respect it now treat it well now and you know it'll do wonderful things for you you're capable of so much more than you've ever thought about if you just just try and put a little bit of effort into it and that's another reason that kind of drew me towards the Valkyrie project and being a mentor in general is just I love being able to talk to other women who go through all the same things that I've gone through or maybe especially younger women especially new in their career in the army and who want to do all these things or have these ideals of whether it be joining the infantry or going to these different schools or balancing or having a family too and wanting it all. And I just want to be like, yes, girl, have it all. Do it all. Don't let anyone tell you you can't. There's always a way for you to do it all. Don't let anyone tell you you can't be a mom. Don't let anyone tell you you can't be a fantastic involved mom. Because before I got here, I was on a skateboard all afternoon with my son skateboarding up and down the street don't that's you know awesome. and painting pumpkins that's what I, that was my sunday this sounds like you had a great day that's amazing <laughs> did. it's like don't 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 say that you can't have it all because you can you can just just make a plan for it you know saturdays i get up fitness is my thing in the morning and after that it's me and kai doing every you know we need to do whether we're outside or we're doing something else it's just 
or having breakfast at Panera, which he loves, <laughs> you know, do everything you want to do. Don't, don't feel like you have to give one thing for another. And that's kind of one thing I want to at least be able to give to other women in, in the Valkyrie project and bounce ideas off of other women. You know, I don't have all the answers. You don't have all the answers, but if we can have a community of people that can get you some answers and talk about things and give you some advice, like, hell yeah, let's do it. So. Absolutely. I'm thoroughly impressed with your ability to like, just juggle all of those pieces. Like, and it's been really fun for me to, you know, hear like how you handle just like the officer life and the army mom (laughs) athlete life, man. I sometimes feel like I'm a failure as an adult because like my house plants die and like my, <laughs> my cat's meowing and I'm like, I just fed you yesterday. I got shit to do. No. I'm just kidding. Um, no. but yeah, it's a lot. And I think there's, it's difficult too. Sometimes I think even within your own community, when you're looking out for that support, mm-hmm. um, it's, it's kind of like a jab to the heart when, when you ask around a lot and there aren't a lot of super, um, optimistic not like falsely optimistic but like truly optimistic people like you that can provide some of that support because I've done it I've asked you know in the past a number of different people that were like hey dual military couple Mm -hmm. that are both on active duty and both want to keep your jobs Mm -hmm. how did you manage the having kids thing and most of the people I talked to the wife got out yeah to have the kid which Again, you know, personal choices, that's mm-hmm. what you want, that's great. But I often found myself in a position like, I don't want to get out. Yeah. I, I feel like it's unfair that I would have to give up yeah. one dream for another. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, And it's just, you and it didn't, don't. It didn't sound right to me, <laughs> yeah. basically. I, like, I kept looking for the person that would tell me, like, Meg, you can literally do whatever, like, yeah. literally do whatever you want. Yeah. And it takes, and it's, it's not easy. And, you know, it's, you have to build relationships from scratch um, everywhere you go. Like, like I said, my nanny, she's worked with, with me for almost three years now. And you, I had to build that, you know, she was a stranger three years ago and it's someone that I had to build trust with her and she's become my family, but I had to, I had to trust. I had to have faith in people, you know, to and allow people to help me. And it's been, it's been great. And I've been very fortunate and I definitely don't take any anyone in my life for granted but you just that's your only way of doing it because in reality you just you can't do it all by yourself no and i think that also ties back to a really important point of how critical it is to have a tribe mm-hmm. to be oh successful gosh, yes. in these things yes if you if you have big goals in the gym have a tribe at the gym if mm-hmm. you have big whole, big goals at work find your tribe mm-hmm. and you can't just it's an active process, even it for is. the sorry introverts, but you can't sit there and hide in your hidey hole you and expect to make friends. Like nope. you have to seek out the people that you want to emulate. Yes. Because it's also true that you surround yourself with a toxic tribe. You become uh, toxic. Yes. And it yes. happens so fast. It does. So like, it's so sneaky and deviant almost. And you have, have to, to hang find around yourself. people that make you a little uncomfortable with, with their level of what, whether it be success or whatever, you have to be with yep. people that, that do different things that make you a little uncomfortable with it, but excite you too. And I think that's one thing that I've been pretty good at, especially as I've gotten older with those type of relationships and their relationships, your friendships are relationships and you have to, you have to commit to them too, which means you can't always, and even me as a mom, you can't always blow off your friends when they want to hang out. And I don't there. I've, 
you know, I have friends in Florida. I've flown to Florida to hang out with them. I've done things, you know, I've flown up, dropped my, my son off with my parents and gone and done things with my friends. Like, obviously I can't do it all the time, but it's important to me to build, to keep those relationships and to put time and effort into them. And that's, you have to do that with, you know, relationships, intimate relationships, and you have to do that with your friendships. And I just feel like sometimes people think that either when they get in a, a marriage or something like that, they have to let friendships fall by the wayside, but you need everyone. You need yeah. everyone. Your friends might be a babysitter sometime. Like you don't, you just don't know. You need everyone. Yeah. And something I've been surprised by too, is like, I'm a lot more fulfilled. Like I have, especially with having a PCS a million times mm-hmm. and move around, I have like five or six people that stay in my pocket forever. Yeah. And I might only see them once a year, once mm-hmm. every two years, but every time we sit back down, we picking up where he left off. Exactly. And and it's always meaningful and mm-hmm. deep. And it's like interesting to see that versus if I can meet up with other friends that are maybe just acquaintances or friends of friends and it's kind of a shallow interaction yeah. and we're out like whatever, restaurant, coffee. Um, just one or two really deep engagements with people that mean a lot to you. I mean, it goes so much farther, I think, for... Just your well-being. Yeah. It's just good. It's good for the soul. The shallowness. It's good for yeah. the soul to have it. And and you don't yeah. always have to, and people shouldn't expect you to talk to them every day. It shouldn't be like that. But a couple of people that you know you can always rely on, you can always call and talk to, That's that means something. Yeah. And I, I have a couple of those too. And I, I love it. I love, and I, I do love meeting new people. I do love getting people's stories and perspectives and things like that. I love that. But also just having those deep connections, that, that's what keeps me going. Yeah. Same here. It's, I think we're pretty, we're pretty lucky people to have the tribes that we have for sure. So I just want to, I want to wrap up with something I haven't done before. Mm -hmm. I'm interested to see what comes out of this, but, um, you know, we've talked a lot about a little, little bit of this and that today. Mm -hmm. If you could give advice to like a younger, more insecure version of yourself, oh say when you were like 12 or 13 or something yes. like that, pick a time, mm-hmm. anytime. Um, what advice would you give to that younger Ashley about, you know, life and love and careers and fitness or whatever? I have so much advice to give to younger Ashley. Um, I guess my number one thing that I think I struggled with when I was younger and a lot of it is insecurities with everything. Obviously, you know, I'm of a mixed race, so there was insecurities with that. You know, I have crazy curly hair. You know, people always kind of question what I was and things like that. I wish everyone could see me rolling my eyes because you're <laughs> flipping supermodel. People, I, I got it a lot when I was little, and it was always really insecure. Really? Yeah, and Damn. I'm most my parents are collegiate athletes, so they're, they're bigger, um, muscular people. And uh, so I, my legs were always really muscular. And actually, I went through a phase when I was younger where I never wore shorts because my legs were would make me so self-conscious <laughs> that I only wore pants. And some of us weren't allowed to shave yet, so when we didn't was, wear shorts because our legs were hairy. We I all had a hard pants. childhood. <laughs> and my mom was like, you don't want to wear shorts? It's like 90 degrees. I'm like, no, people always tell me how big my, my thighs are. And it always oh made my me. God. So I just, I wish I could just tell myself like, Ashley... <laughs> calm down. You're fine. Keep, you know, keep being nerdy, keep reading, doing all the things you do, but also just love yourself exactly where you are and stay involved in the sports world. Because I think by the time I got a little bit older and I let my friends influence me, 
you know, I was definitely starting being interested in boys and things like that. I think I strayed away from sports and I didn't pick it back up till college. But um, I wish I would have stayed and I wish I would have stayed in something that like weightlifting or something like that. I wish I would have given that a try because that's something that what it has done for me in my 20s and now in my 30s is it's given me an outlet to not give two shits about what I look like. Because at the end of the day, nothing is more fulfilling than picking up a heavy deadlift or pulling or a clean and jerk for me, where it's like a massive amount of weight on the ground, picking it up, putting it on my chest and putting it over my head. Nothing gives me more of a feeling of like, hell yes, I'm strong. And that means so much to me than being able to do that. And I wish if I'd have given it a shot when I was younger, I would have been able to stop all those little voices in my head and all those voices of doubts, and I could have been able to focus on that. And if I ever have a daughter, that is definitely something I would, I wish more little girls would do because it's something you can see and something you can hold on to, and you can be like, I don't care if I don't look like a model, I don't care if I'm not tall or whatever. Look at how strong I am. And it's a great feeling, and I just mm-hmm. wish I could have told myself that. I like it. That's good advice. And I think that's honestly good advice even for adults out there listening right now that might find themselves on the cusp of something that they want to try but they're afraid to try Mm -hmm. man you are not promised tomorrow no now is the best time i hate that crap when people i'm not gonna get upset i hate (laughs) i hated coaching and having people like get in a discussion with me about it'd be so cool if i could come in and do that and train like that but i'm just not in good enough shape yet And like one of the most interesting comebacks I read from that recently was, you know, and it's just like a religious, um, this is like a religious context, but basically Mm -hmm. like, well, did you start going to church because your life was already perfect? Did you start (laughs) going to church because you needed some help? Yep. (laughs) And that is the best way I can put it, whether it's for doing self-improvement stuff like training, working out, whatever word you want to use, or... Mm -hmm going for that difficult job, going for that difficult school, the assessment, whatever, making a life change. Maybe there's some big drastic thing that needs to happen. Maybe you have to confront your boss, whatever, like the hard thing, do it now because you might not get tomorrow and you'll always regret if you didn't try. So yeah, I like that. And it's just, that's great advice. Great advice. And I wish I, I want to tell every 12 year old little boy and girl that <laughs> right now. Yeah. Well, we're doing the best we can. We, the <laughs> podcast will be over the airwaves soon and hopefully the message will get out there, but what an honor to have you. Thanks for Thank coming you. to chat with me, Ashley. This was really fun. This Maybe was we can fun. Do this again sometime soon. I know. And then we can tell good. jokes and do it. No, <laughs> <laughs> I I'm the queen of awkward mid podcast jokes. I, I've got to, <laughs> I got to brush up my game a little bit, but it's a process. So for anybody out there listening, um, be sure to check out our website, ValkyrieProjectUS.com. You can read more about the tactical training program that we have there for women, specifically designed and tailored for women in a tactical profile. And that's uh, all programmed by Ashley's coach, Chris McNamara. He's a good friend of both of ours, really smart guy. Um, You can also find opportunities to become a mentor like Ashley on the website. Just click the mentor tab and fill out the application form. You can also find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook as Valkyrie Project US. 
So make sure you like and follow those pages and leave us some feedback. Leave us some notes. Let us know what you thought about the podcast. And if you have any ideas about future topics or people you'd like to hear from, let us know. As always, do today what others won't. Do tomorrow what others can't. Thanks for listening.